Hey guys, welcome to episode 60, that's 60 of Bono Stuff, chipping away at these episodes, really having a good time, and I'm really excited for you to listen to this one, Dr. Joe Lavaca uh, from New York City, where we met, and also teaching for Rock Tape uh, back when I was an instructor with those guys. Very fun times. This guy is a movement nerd like myself. Uh, we are geeking out on this episode all about movement, health, fitness, changing the dynamic of healthcare. Really excited for you to check it out. Hopefully you get something out of it. You get 1% better from listening to it at least. If you do, I would really appreciate if you could like, share, subscribe, leave a comment, rating, review, all that good stuff that helps these things grow. Hopefully we can bring you more uh, great content like this one. Really hope you enjoy. Talk to you soon. Bye. Brown cow. How now, brown cow? Hey guys, we are live. Bone nose stuff. Justin Bieber in the background. Special request here from Dr. Joe Lava Lavaca. I always, I always, anytime I'm like, yeah, you remember that guy, Joe Lava Lava. <laughs> always fun to say. Uh, you are, you are in New York right now, sir. Mm-hmm. I'm in uh, Long Island. This is where I live in Port Washington. Uh, still working in the city of Manhattan on 20th and 5th. Um, but yeah, coming to you live from my kitchen. There you go. I see. We see the uh, the pictures on the you fridge there. Yeah, backwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little picture. Yeah, I got, you know, that's why I got. Uh, yeah, a little picture of me and Court and the girls. And uh, yeah, those are those are the only magnets I've I've actually been. Uh, I think I've been here for two, three years. I've never gotten any other magnets. I'm pretty sure my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, we'll do a quick shout out to your significant other at Gate Happens, Courtney Conley. Yes. yes. And and you want to you want to plug any of her stuff that we we talked about a little bit before? Oh, before we... I mean, I don't even know if her stuff needs plugging. I mean, she's <laughs> like she's uh, she's famous now. But yeah, no, Court uh, Court's a, uh, a functional gate. Uh, or specializes in functional gait mechanics, uh, anatomy, foot, um, wonderful human being and clinician. She's out there in Colorado, not too far away from you guys. Um, yeah, you can catch her on Gate Happens. She gives, she does tons of awesome content, memberships, all the like, and wherever you're watching this around the world, she can help you out. So, Amen. All right. And uh, we are based in Colorado, but currently traveling. I'm here in Southern California, so I got my USC Trojans representing, um, and we are in Hermosa Beach. So I'm coming to you from Hermosa Beach. Yeah, and, uh, thanks, thanks for making that 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 sacrifice. Eight a.m. <laughs> ready to rock. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't change my laptop time. It still says nine, so that's okay. <laughs> um, I, I had I had a nine a.m. frame of mind. It's all right. Anyway, but uh, we want to talk to you, Joe, and catch up on what's going on. Strength in Motion is your company, my friend, and. I'd love to hear how that name came to be. It's it's pretty straightforward, but I like it. I like I like the, the of course the concept and your your logo, the uh, brain kettlebell. Yep. Um, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the the genesis of of that name. Yeah. So uh, what was interesting was I was actually talking to a colleague of mine out here. Um, actually, you you actually might know him too, Joe Gambino. And we were just kind of trading ideas one day about. Um, practices and, and what we like to do and, you know, what, what we would do in the future. And, you know, I kind of started saying, well, you know, the way that I liked treating or the way that I was evolving in my, you know, accumulation of knowledge and the things that I liked reading, I was like, you know, it's really hard for me to start separating um, our mind and body even more so. And I started just thinking about those things the same, same way. Whereas I think in my entire career earlier, I was always trying to separate the two. Well, hey, well, we got to take care of your body first, and then we can do mindset stuff, and you can do this, and you can do that. And then, you know, in, in conversations with with Joe, I was like, well, you know, I, I kind of picture more strengthening the mind and your body the same way, and almost like, you know, that's when the kettlebell kind of logo came into my head because at the time I was just doing a little bit more kettlebell workouts and. I loved all those Onnit bells with like Iron Man and King Kong and you know uh, all the custom bells they made. And I was like, you know, I never seen a, a brain kettlebell, so <laughs> I think I actually have one now, or I, I might have seen a couple floating around. Hmm. But um, it just seemed like a cool way to to try to combine the mind and body, and how if you can strengthen your mind um, in conjunction with your regular workouts, I think that that kind of is really. The way that I see it and the way that I've dealt with a lot of personal things in, in my past and the way that I'm sure you know, you've dealt with personal things in yours is that 
there never is one solution to your problems, right? I think it's an accumulation of things. So yeah, that's how uh, strength and motion started getting started. And then it was the idea of, you know, there's strength by moving, right? And then that's where like, you know, the kind of more of the tagline came up with like empowering life through movement. So um, I know when I have been hurt or when I've struggled with depression, like the last thing I wanted to do was get up and go for a walk or do a breathing exercise. But then when I forced myself to do it, I faked it. Um, I always felt immensely better after. And I was like, wow, thank you for doing that. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, future Joe, uh, you know, present Joe always has a hard time looking out for future Joe. And it's always kind of like, well, forget that guy. Um, hmm. I want to feel bad right now about myself. And um, yeah, every time I've, I've tried to pull myself away from present Joe and, and take care of myself in the future, it's always paid off. Um, so yeah, and, and um, Strength of Motion has been around for three years now. It actually came to be when I was fired from uh, the clinic I was working at. Um, there was just a little bit of disagreements with ethical and um, philosophy sort of things. Um, and I was actually fired on Avery's, what was it, her fourth birthday, I think. And uh, yeah, because she's seven now. For, for anyone listening, Avery is his daughter. Yes, that's true. Avery is my daughter. She is now seven. <laughs> Uh, and you know, when you, you think about nice days that you like to celebrate, I actually got fired on her fourth birthday. Mm. Um, and actually it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. So, um, at that point I knew that the next step was to at least try to go out on my own. And if I failed, um, I, I, I felt confident in the network of people that I had in New York city that I can call them up and say, Hey, I, I, I need a job. Do you know anyone hiring or, you know, can I get a part-time position or I knew some people in hospitals and, you know, I just, it was always like, Hey, if I'm not going to take this risk now, you know, when, when is going to be the right time? Um, and I don't think there ever was going to be a right time. So I just did it. Nice man. Yeah. And so far paying off. Um, I love it. <laughs> I don't know if it's paying off, but I'm surviving. <laughs> well, like you said, the men, I mean, I, I, I guess I, I can ask into, you know, that's an, an interesting topic I've touched on, on a few previous podcasts of, uh, the physical therapy profession, the fitness space. Do you feel like, yeah, being out on your own, uh, like you said, it's, it, it might not make us millionaires, but it does it give us that peace of mind and allow us to do the work that we genuinely want to do. And it's super rewarding of working outside the med the insurance model that, you know, that, 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 uh, I think both of us are pro probably have, you know, little chills in the back of our, and uh, the hair stands up on the back of our neck when we hear insurance and start thinking about all the forms we have to fill out and all that stuff at some point of our career. But moving away from all that, yeah. Do you feel like uh, what you've seen and you've seen a lot of the space and just to give a little more context of how we met also uh, originally, I think we connected through rock tape. Yes. Uh, I was teaching with rock tape as were you for, for a little bit there. And are you, are you still with those guys? Are you, uh, or. Yeah. 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 So I'm still with them. Um, they, they've um, uh, recently gone through some transitions themselves. So we actually had been bought out by a, a bigger company called Implus. So it's kind of really cool and fun to work with the different brands that Implus offers. So we're doing a lot more integration with skills. We're doing a lot more integration with Trigger Point. Um, and, you know, Steve and Ethan and the guys over at the Rock Tape team are always kind of like trying to push a little bit of the boundaries and, and connect the dots a little bit differently than from, you know, I guess like other tooling courses that are out there, mm -hmm. um, which is always funny to me because I, I see so many people argue about, nonsensical things on social media it's like why waste your time like if you view it in this lens like you know come take a course and if you definitely realize that none of us are saying like hey oh you have a rotator cuff tear cool let's just put tape on it and just just hold it there for six weeks like the tape is going to magically heal you and i feel like when i read these posts i'm like is that what people think like trying to teach people like um so um i think people I, don't, I don't know if you know this people on social media tend to blow shit out of proportion and uh, simplify and, and, you know, so yeah, I don't, if you're not familiar, I'll, I'll, I'll show you around the internet. Yeah, you know, I know. I know. Hey, it gets likes, man. It gets likes. Not, I'm doing yeah. something wrong. So <laughs> there, you <laughs> go. Um, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so still teaching with those guys. Um, and that's still, that's still been fun. And, and, and I think until it, it, it's not fun anymore, then I won't do it, but it, it's been five or six years and that's actually how I met uh, Courtney. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been great. But to go back to your original point of, of stepping out, I think having the, the teaching as a, as a background, you know, was very helpful. And I think that when you look at um, someone like yourself or someone like me, who's been able, like you said, maybe I'm not going to be a millionaire, maybe we're not going to be millionaires, but I mean, I think people are also scared to step out on their own because they just think like, okay, I'm going to start a clinic on Monday and I need to have like, uh, you know, 15, 20 patients on Monday. And that has to be every day. It's like, well, no, that's going to maybe take six months, a year to even get to a day where you are like that. Right. But mm -hmm. what are you going to do in the meantime? Like, do you have a side hustle? I know you um, and, and, and your spouse are uh, always hustling and, and everything else. So, you know, if you're not going to commit to, the other avenues of, of of trying to maintain your income and and really work your ass off for what you want, um, well then you're, you're never going to be successful in anything, right? So I know always people when I meet them they're like, oh, I wish I can go out on my own, and I'm like, well, you can. <laughs> they're like, no, I can't. No one will ever pay cash here, and I'm like, well, have you asked them? You know, and um, I actually was just reading something that I wrote down a while ago, like when I was first starting out. It was like every dollar is a thank you note. You know that you make that when you're out on your own. Like when people pay you for something, when you know you're independent, it's because they really trust you, right? And it allows you, like you said, to to build relationships, to focus on the things that you want. And you know, I have I have I have maybe one or two relationships with doctors still, but even that is maybe like a handful of referrals for a year. I mean, everyone is you know, if you came and saw me, like my my goal is to work as hard as I can to help you on your path, and you know, maybe that path is not with me for eight visits, 10 visits, 12 visits, but maybe, maybe it was just for that hour. But my, my idea is like, how can I help you as much as I can in this hour? Mm -hmm. And it's funny when I, I, I see people once or twice and I'm like, oh man, Bo never came back. He hates me. <laughs> I'm like, uh, man, I ever, how did I mess up Bo? And then all of a sudden, six months later, I get an email from someone and it was like, Hey, Bo spoke so highly of you. He said you were super straightforward, like one of the most honest people he's worked with. I'd really like to get your opinion on things. And, and I think that's the beauty of, of, of what we do, right? Because I, I think every connection we make, we can always maintain. Um, and now with social media, it's like, hey, you, you can talk to your patients every single day. You can mm -hmm. you know, put them in a Facebook group. You can do this and just keep, keep everyone going back and forth and just asking questions. But um, yeah, it definitely allows me to focus on, I think, the things that I was missing out on um, working in a big box clinic, uh, you know, going every 15 minutes, every 20 minutes, everything. Right. The, the mill, if you will. Yes. The mill, the mill if you will, um, which we will not anymore. We will not. We are fight, fight, fighting against the machine. Um, and it is a big machine. And again, uh, so I, I'll actually ask for your input here. I'm a. Uh, one of my previous episodes with one of my former guidance counselors from high school, actually, who now does public speaking coaching, including uh, coaching folks to prepare for TED and TEDx talks. And so he has a cool podcast called It's About to Go Down uh, with his partner, Kathy. And so I'm, uh, we just did a pre-call. So I'm going to be on their podcast when I had him on my podcast where you are right now, sir. Um, he threw it back at me and said, if I had a TED talk tomorrow, what would my topic be? Uh, at the time I said, redefining fitness to incorporate, and that's my brand fit care. I'm trying to combine, you know, close that space between fitness and healthcare. And if right. you care about your fitness, you can avoid the healthcare system, which is the symptom care symptom system. So I, I will ask for your input here live on Bono stuff. Um, for the Ted talk that I'm preparing of redefining fitness, uh, what do you think are two or three of the biggest things? in the healthcare space that you would love to see change or brought up or, or brought to the attention? Cause I've been playing with it just to give you a little more context. And, and, uh, and again, I know we talk about a lot of these big concepts with when we were with rock tape, we we're talking about, you know, this is the first generation, uh, that's gonna, that's not gonna outlive the previous generation, the first time in history, all these scary statistics, yeah. right. Um, you know, you had, uh, Michelle Obama trying to really push things when during the eight years when she was in the white house and like, didn't really push the needle from, you know, not, no disrespect, Michelle. Um, but, <laughs> but, but it didn't really, uh, you know, I would say move the needle where it needs to go. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to find this, the, the biggest idea worth spreading as Ted's uh, slogan is. Uh, so yeah, I'll throw it back to you of, of give, give I want to, I want to steal your brilliance 
Yeah, give, yeah. Me, <laughs> give me some. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of you. Uh, for me in the city, I, I mean, I'll, 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 in, in my, I have two things that immediately came to my mind. One would be more collaborative efforts between healthcare professionals. I think that there are too many, and maybe this is because of social media, but there are too many um, physical therapists trying to become personal trainers and world-class coaches. Um, and then incorrectly, I think, prescribing exercises and programming and all this other stuff. And then I think there are too many um, trainers who are trying to fix people's pain and dysfunction or or just kind of work around it. Like, you know, if you send them to a physical therapist or a chiropractor, um, they're never going to come back and you're going to steal that person from them. So I, I would really love it in the fitness industry and in the rehab industry if there was a, a more consistent collaborative effort between the the training world and the rehab world because you know one thing i started i think i started to feel pressure too on social media to be like oh my god am i not am i not training people hard enough like <laughs> maybe my message is incorrect like maybe i should be doing like kettlebell swings people should be pouring sweat and then i was like well no my message is my message and i know what i'm what i know what i think i'm good at i think that makes sense um, <laughs> You know, and I think that, you know, my 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 biggest strength over the last five, six years plus has been listening, communication and education. And then that brings me to my second thing of returning back to simplicity. Um, there are so many clients that come in and I ask them, how are you staying active? And they're like, I'm not. And I'm like, well, why? And they're like, I don't have the time. So now also maybe because of social media or who knows what, I think everyone feels like they need to be emptying the tank every single day. And as a result of having so many options and so many systems, if you're not emptying the tank or if you're not um, in CrossFit or if you're not doing this, well, then you can't really exercise. And I think that's really why you know, most, I try to get on every day with Instagram, um, but then I also try not to be on Instagram. It's such a paradox of, of <laughs> life, right? Um, but that's why I really started just preaching to patients or preaching on Instagram, like, hey, look, take care of the simple stuff, like move your body, you know, and, and the system that I'm very partial to is functional range conditioning and, and kin stretch, right? So the easiest thing to move your body is to just draw like nice big circles. They call them controlled articular rotations at every joint. Do that every day. It'll take you five minutes. Breathe through your nose a little bit more. Stop over breathing, right? And then go for a walk. I mean, and then, this is the thing, right? Like when, when you look just at general movement, when you look at breath research, when you look at just walking as an exercise or an activity, I've never read a bad study that says, hey, um, moving too much is going to cause you health issues. Breathing through your nose is going to cause you health issues. Going for walks is not good for you. So this is like the consistent, easy stuff that I think we're not pushing enough. And then as a result, people are, you know, I have clients taking two, 3,000 steps a day. I mean, our age, like I'll ask them to open up their phone, look at their watch. What's your average for the month? And they're like, oh, I'm around 10,000. And I'm like, show me. And it's 3,000 and their jaws drop to the floor. I'm like, do you think you could get up and be a little bit more active and work toward 5,000 steps in the next week and then add on from that? And just the idea of changing your environment, going out for a walk, you know, going to the gym to walk on the treadmill. Shit, I don't care. I mean, my parents have a, like a $99, I think, walking treadmill in their basement. And on rainy days, my mom goes down there and we'll just you know walk on that. She doesn't need to run. Just, just walk, control your breathing. Get your heart rate up because your heart doesn't have eyes, your lungs don't have eyes, your hips, your bo your bones, your muscles don't have eyes. So they don't care what you're doing. They're just going to respond to force. So I would love com collaboration and a return to simplicity. Hmm. I, I really like all the, all that, all the answers you just put together there. I like that a lot. And um, But yeah, I guess my, my I'm going to push back and challenge you a little bit since... Uh, since you opened up the floodgates for me. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so here's the, here's the thought for me and this, as I'm working on this Ted talk and trying to think about this big picture thing. And for anyone listening, I don't actually have a Ted talk scheduled. It's just like a concept right now. Um, <laughs> maybe it be, turns into an actual. I, Ted talk I was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe it turns into something at some point, but yeah, these, you know, they, they challenged me and who knows, we'll see how, how that, uh, 
I'm doing that podcast end of August, I think, uh, with their schedule. So uh, we'll see what it turns into. But yeah, I just want to be. I want to. I want to keep refining it. And at the end of the day, for me, real quick, I, I just want to say uh, this is in line with I think our our mission and, and like you and I are passionate about by changing lives. So that's what. As you were talking, my question becomes, and in line with your collaborative effort of between kind of the professions, right? Is do you think there's a way we can challenge the the big system? Because again, everything you're saying is awesome. I agree with it. But how do we get you know your your grandmother, your mother, you know your next door neighbor, whoever? How do we get the country or the the world <laughs> to to yeah. bring it down? And I think when you talk about that that confusion that you mentioned with the the necessity for collaborative efforts. Um, and I see a lot of that confusion and people arguing about, you know, oh, just put the, some tape on your rotator cuff tear and that's it. Like, like, okay, there's a whole different conversation here, but yeah, the basics, can we, that, I think the problem is again, in, in reflecting on building this is nobody can agree on the basics even, right. and it's not sexy. Right. So I think we can all say, yeah, walk more, drink more water. You're not going to get fat eating broccoli. Like, you know, it, <laughs> It, it, it's it's those basic concepts, but yeah, how, like, do we need a Jillian Michaels biggest loser challenge to like push that? Do we need a Jack LaLanne of modern day? You know, how do we, that's my, my thinking is like, if I'm up on that stage or if I have that 18 minute talk, you know, is that the challenge? Hey, fitness people, we need to, st you know, band together. One of the things in my talk, and maybe you can give me, th this is where uh, my thinking is going is, uh, how do you define fitness? And, yeah. and you know, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but at the same time, here we are, you're on right. the spot. <laughs> so how do, yeah, yeah, that's one of the questions and, and that's been driving me is redefining fitness. So how do you define fitness? And maybe if we can, uh, and, and uh, I'll give one last bit of background on that before I let you go. I see you're ready to I see you're ready to go. I like it. Rock, um, <laughs> so, so one of the things was, again, I, I, I did some time in, in the CrossFit space. And again, they have a very specific definition of fitness. And when I was learning or hearing them talk about that, they kind of called out the National Strength and Conditioning Association, NSCA, American College of Sports Medicine, ACSM, some of the bigger organizations that work with the fitness side of things and and you know nobody had a great definition so and again when i heard the crossfit definition i was like oh that's like science based yeah. it totally ap appealed to my like logic so whatever you might think about crossfit not you but anyone listening is like for like let, let's just look at it what it says on the paper right not you know again like the rock tape it's not just oh like you're doing this thing and and social media noise anyway yeah. but let's bring it back to you of, of how do you define fitness? Um, I would call fitness the ability to tolerate and adapt to change. Um, and that could be change in every facet of life, right? So I can be mentally fit. I could be emotionally fit. I could be physically fit. Um, and now you have to say, okay, well, what is fitness for each facet of who you are or what you can be? Um, because I think that, you know, like globally, right? Like if you think like, hey, well, how can I tie all those into an umbrella? Like how can I be mentally and emotionally and physically fit? And it's probably the, the easiest, lowest hanging fruit. Like it's not sexy. It's just exercise more. And then that's the question of, well, how, what's ex what, how do you define exercise, right? And how is that different from movement? And I think maybe the, the, the biggest um, obstacle for us is that, you know, movement or communication, uh, relationships, all these other things that maybe in North America, um, specifically, I'll single out the United States, doesn't put a lot of value on, but is what carried us as human beings for a really long period of time. So exercise and fitness, I think of this, it's this new thing within the last 100 or so years because I think what even maybe you know sparked a lot of this, I, I, I forget the actual decade of the study, but I want to say it was in the 50s or 60s when they were looking at bus drivers and they were looking at um, um, uh, the, the, the employees who collected tickets. And they looked at long-term health outcomes of the bus driver versus the person walking around on the bus collecting tickets. And all the bus drivers seem to have a lot more long-term health complications than the ones who are up and down and rolling up and down the steps. And, and honestly, that's what 
to me, when I keep reading about all these things, everyone keeps referencing that study as like, like, hey, well, this is what really made us start to pay attention. You know, Eisenhower really made us start to pay attention when he had a heart attack. And we were like, oh, oh, my God. Well, if the president died of a heart attack, well, what can we do to avoid that? Like now let's maybe put people on statins. Now, now let's maybe put people on this. So there's always like one moment that kind of triggered everything. But all those moments for us right now were relatively recent. So if you look at, um, you know, the average life expectancy in the U.S., which, you know, again, we always like in the U.S., we're like, we're number one and we're out there waving our flags and we're the best at everything. Unfortunately, that's not the case, right? Like, like we're not the best at math, at reading, at science, at everything else. We're kind of just right there in the mix with, with everyone else. But if you look at the average life expectancy in the United States, and it's maybe in the mid-70s, I think, last time I looked, maybe it was 77, 76. Um, but then you go and look at another country, uh, I think it was somewhere over off the, off the shore of Greece and their average life expectancy is 91, 92. Guess how many gyms they have? <laughs> Zero. Right. So is it, is it really a matter of, you know, picking the right exercise for you or just kind of focusing on the things we're always focused on? Right. And I think we mentioned it a little bit before our call, right. The things that you're working on now, like relationships, mm-hmm. sleep. Um, drinking more water, stacking good habits. Um, you know, a, a hundred calories of broccoli is probably going to keep you not hungry for two, three hours. A hundred calories of M&Ms is like eight M&Ms. And <laughs> if you ever ate M&Ms, I've never stopped at eight. All right. I'll, I'll eat 40 of them. And now that's 800 calories. And guess what? I'm still hungry. <laughs> and maybe, and maybe it's just in my mind that, Hey, eight M&Ms and, and a whole like half pound of broccoli here. I'm like, well, wow, I got to put a half pound of broccoli in my stomach. These eight M&Ms are that it's the same calorically, but maybe there's something just about me and like, Hey, I need to get, you know, I need to get huge. Right. I need to keep eating. <laughs> I, well, that, I, that, that's all evolutionary. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. And yeah, that's, that's one of the things uh, to interject real quick is uh, there's a great book called wired to eat. Uh, by Rob Wolf. I know you're a voracious reader. I don't know if you've gotten to that one. No, I'll, I'll write that down. Wired to eat. Wired to eat. And he had uh, he was like the first big paleo guy, uh, and he had the paleo solution. But Wired to Eat, he makes the, the case almost exactly to what you said of um, where it, it's not your fault if you overeat because we are in this environment where people are literally there are food scientists who dare you and they, their campaign, I think it's Lay's that says bet or Pringles, whichever one, bet you can't eat just one. Yeah. They literally, that's their slogan. They actually, it, I never even thought about that. They bet you. They bet you. They're like, if you put one in your mouth, we know that as a human, your physiology, your biology oh, will it light up and you literally, like I will put a hundred dollars now like that you can't eat just one, you know? So so anyway, and, and, and the other part of that, um, and again, Rob Wolf, I heard him on a podcast recently, um, and, and for anyone interested in, in some like very just pushing the envelope stuff, he's a great uh, resource for that. Um, he said basically for the last at least 60, 70 years, uh, in terms of, again, this big picture of controlling our weight, which is a big thing and which leads to a lot of these diseases and life expectancy that we're talking about, the, the overall philosophy has been uh, eat less, exercise more, yeah. which is completely antithetical to our evolutionary uh, history, right? Where we try to eat as much as we can because we don't know when the next meal is coming and we need to move as little as possible to, to reserve our energy in order to survive so that if there is a lion attack, and again, we go to these like extremes and I feel like when we have these conversations, yeah, when we, where's, where's the next line? Um, but then we have that. And again, it's, you know, I hear this stuff all the time, but then I coming back to that question of like, how do we connect this to people? So they care about it and they make these changes again. I think what you were referencing a little bit about that city outside of Greece, a little bit of like the blue zones. Right. Um, and, and if anyone interested in that study and it's not really a study, uh, it was was a little bit of a, uh, uh, an experiment observational concept of which cities have the longest life expectancy and most centenarians and all that fun stuff. So, and, and so I want to, I, I need to backtrack because I took a few notes as you were talking because you had a really, really good, th- I love that like the stream of consciousness you had. Um, and I want to bring it all the way back, first of all, to your actual definition of fitness, because you said it, 
and this happened again, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of, a lot of times you say it and then mm-hmm. we, we, we go off on this other thing, but I want to bring it back to that actual, so redefine just that fitness for me. It was ability to adapt. The ability to tolerate, tolerate and adapt to change. Yes. That's good. So to tolerate and, uh, yes. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to just jot that down myself. Um, and so, and no, and you, and then you also mentioned kind of that, you know, a possible president dying of a heart attack kind of thing. Um, and, and so we had this pretty big global health related event recently called COVID, um, for anyone not following along, um, and <laughs> seemed like a good opportunity for people to say, Hey, this is a respiratory thing. We notice that folks that are healthier, cardio respiratory wise, cardiovascularly, um, are doing better with this, you know. And and of course, it brought up all these different political and things like that. But again, it felt like a really big opportunity yeah. to have that like define like this is something that affected and and there hasn't been something that's affected the entire world maybe since World War II. And, and even that didn't affect the entire world, technically. Right, right, right. right. Um, it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> so coming back to that is like, did we miss this opportunity? I'm just thinking out loud a little bit, but, but you know, did, do, do we have this opportunity? Do people say like, well, we still don't know what's going on. There's a vaccine. There's a Delta variant now as we're recording this in uh, July of 2021. Um, yeah. t- time is no longer exists. It's a flat circle to me, but I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts on, on again, the COVID thing and, and in terms of more of a public health, I, we're kind of jumping around, like I think yeah. big concepts, but, but no, yeah, I, I don't know if you have thoughts on that. I think, I think it, I think it requires a lot these days for people to pay attention, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're inundated with so many billions of bits of information on a seemingly hour basis, right? I mean, like there's nothing that me and you, where we can go, where we're not disconnected unless we actually choose or force ourselves to be disconnected, right? Like I have my phone on me constantly in the car. I can have the radio or a podcast. Um, I have Facebook. Um, We still have all the old ways of getting news, right? And then we have now all these predatory sites, fake news, this, um, uh, uh, groups of of people who just start to post random uh, deep fake videos about like whatever. And you know, I think that maybe COVID, when when you look at it from from a from a positive standpoint, is it brought us literally together, right? It made us realize how you know being in isolation or away from other people really maybe sucks, right? For lack of a better word, right? And then when we take those things for granted, you know, the ability to go see your mom or your dad or or or, or your fiance or wherever, whenever you want, and then all of a sudden that was taken from you. And you were like, wow, I never thought that that would happen. So now I'm here by myself. I have to talk to people on a screen, which I'm grateful for right now. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, I think. And when it, it's your only option, it's it's not as fun. Sure. Yeah. Right. And that was the thing. Right. So it eliminated options. And I think now when um, you look at it, like you brought up, like, hey, there were a lot of people who were doing well with this. And I know you said that you 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 caught it and you were very happy with your um your recovery process throughout that time. Just to clarify, I'm not very happy, but I'm, it could have been much worse. And like, <laughs> right. um, you know, and, and for me, and, I think, and, and, and I'll, and I'll interject real quick. Sorry that, to say that yeah. again, we don't, we don't know what this is going to do to us 10 years from now. Like, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's a whole different side of it, but sorry, I just, I need to, throw yeah, that no, no, no. <laughs> but I think also too, um, it, it was a time for, us as healthcare professionals to almost kind of step up and say, Hey, well, look, I I was never, I was never truthfully, I was never scared of it. Right. Like I was like, okay, if I get it, I think uh, when I look around and and my exercise routine and how I eat and how I take care of myself and my sleep, if I, if I was doing everything that we were supposed to be doing or focusing on and the things that I've, I started paying attention to more like my relationships and, my, 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 my breathing and my emotional response. Like if I'm trying to take care of all these things and then going back to my definition of fitness, if there was a change thrown at me or my body, I should be able to tolerate it and then maybe potentially adapt to it. Um, but I think having COVID now reach the entire globe, 
I think it'll still push people in one of two directions, right? Where people hit COVID and they shut down. And maybe that was a sign of, you know, other deeper things for people. Like maybe they were, you know, hiding a mental health issue or ignoring a mental health issue. And then at the same time, for some people, they're like, wow, I, I have no excuse, right? Like I'm working from home. I can take care of myself. I can exercise. And I think I've heard probably the same amount of stories both ways working with people. And I'm sure you have too, where people became so demotivated by an event and then people became so motivated by an event. And it's really just your perception as a human being. So, you know, if, if we were redefining fitness before, the way that I'd like to redefine healthcare is almost kind of like go back to um, the art of, of, of storytelling and the art of perception. And, you know, I think the, the history of medicine as, as human beings, you brought up evolution, was always in the art of how you delivered it, right? Like, you know, me and you would have to, you know, and now we have this like idea of like, hey, like I can, you know, see people in their homes as kind of like a, an extra uh, luxury service I offer people. But you know, back in the day, we didn't have, like we were always, we, we would go to people who needed us, right? That was just the, the common sense approach. We would take care of them in their homes. We would build relationships with them and their families. We would, we would comfort them, console them, mm-hmm. would be with them until their fever broke, right? And not just, you know, hand them a prescription and say, okay, fill this, go to your CVS with the person you don't know, <laughs> take these pills. If it doesn't feel better, come back, we'll try something else, right? There was no like connection between person to person. Whereas, you know, maybe it's just because you're seeing people and then you maybe never see them again. But you had to take care of your tribe, right, if you wanted to survive. So it was in my best interest to do my best to take care of you. And I think that that's where ultimately I brought, I wanted to bring strength and motion, right? Like if you come into strength and motion in the clinic, right, I'd want to do my best to take care of you because now you're part of the tribe of strength and motion, right? And strength and motion is going to survive with the more tribes people that we have. So yeah, a lot of these people now, when they when they look back at COVID, they're like, well, I didn't have any excuse. So I started walking, started more, I started doing this. I changed my lifestyle and it was a good thing. So I think consistency in the message of what we're doing is 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 truly important. And I know it can be fatiguing. I know Michelle Obama was up there for eight years, it seemed like, right? Um, but when you think about her over the eight years, Gino Wickham um, in his book Traction talked about um, people need to hear your message seven times before they understand it, right? And and I remember, you know, I remember hearing about Michelle's efforts, but it was probably only a handful of times. Like I never actually sat down and watched the speech by Michelle Obama, and it was not because I wasn't a fan of her, because it was just never broadcasted, right? Like those nice little news clips are you know, maybe like a little subtitle on CNN, but, you know, you have a building collapse or you have something, you know, tragic happen and that's the headline for days. And that's what kind of draws your attention. Or a very so, controversial tweet. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, so I think that I, I think it just as clinicians or healthcare professionals um, and I know you've taught a lot and you've traveled a lot, but w- where I feel um, the common message is, is that people are just tired, right? Like it's like, how many times can I say the same thing over and over again? And I'm like, well, you have to say it seven times to every single person you meet. So, I mean, how many people are you interacting with each week? You know, if you're in a, if you're in a big box clinic seeing 15, 20 people, that's 15 times seven times five times. (laughs) I mean, you're going to hear yourself say the same shit a lot of the time. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, just, Quickly off of that, that definitely was one of the impetuses, impeti, impeti, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> to to do a lot of these videos and try to be like, yeah, I keep saying the same thing. Anytime somebody comes to me with back pain, you know, I have I go down this like hour long connection, and I'm like, this is so great, <laughs> and 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 I'm like, I really feel like you and I connected here, and I captured the essence of your non specific low back pain, which you know, close to 90% of people suffer with or whatever. But, and I'm like, I just need to take this hour that we just did and like share it with the 90% of people. And, and I, I feel like that message will, will like blow up. Right. And it'll be great. So yeah, that, that was one of the, the things that I was like, cool. I, w- I want to figure out how to keep, you know, tweaking the messaging. And, and now again, this is something within the profession that again, maybe is one of the solutions in the long term of, 
yeah, can we get the APTA on the same page? Obviously, there's, you know, the American Physical Therapy Association, we're both physical therapists. But then again, like you said, the collaborative efforts, you know, can chiropractor, can we get chiropractors and physical therapists to be like, we have come to a peace accord. Right. And, and we, <laughs> we, we believe that if you, you know, and, and have the leaders on like a press con, like you're saying, it's this big peace in the Middle East kind of moment of, of, you know, we agree that everyone should breathe through their nose more often and like start practicing nasal and, and walk, you know, like you said, 10,000 10, steps. And again, it's an arbitrary number. And again, you go on the internet, but then, and you get people, but this is the thing. There's all this noise where people are like, well, is it 10,000 steps or do you need 10,001 steps? And like, that's the, that's the magic, you know, intermittent fasting and now keto and all these fads. So yeah. that's the thing I'm, I keep when I, when I'm looking at this whole thing, is the challenge of my talk. And this is where I've like, it's taken me is, do I challenge, is, there's a public facing thing where again, we keep saying that same message seven times and continue that grassroots effort. Um, or do we challenge the people who have found these voices? And again, it's it, like you said, the Instagram thing, you know, it's, it's whoever has the nicest butt is gonna get more likes. And, and you know, it's, there's, there's obviously great ways to, adapt and modify and, and capture people's attention. But at the same time, until we get Oprah Winfrey talking about this stuff and she has her huge audience or Kim Kardashian posts something about health, but then you have Gwyneth Paltrow talking about all this other stuff and it's confusing. And yeah. So anyway, um, well, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. And I think, I think some of it comes back to, um, maybe individualizing that healthcare experience again mm -hmm. for people too. And, you know, I think like, uh, again, for me, a lot of patients will come in and they're like, all these people are telling me what I should do, mm -hmm. what, what I need to do, whatever. And then what I usually ask them is, well, do you want to do those things? Right. How do you feel? And, and people generally are like, I feel fine. I just have this one thing that I, I want to get rid of. And I'm like, okay, so why don't we make your ankle move a little bit better? Why don't we make your hip move a little bit better? And if you want to change your goals after that, we can talk about it. But with fitness and exercise being a relatively new phenomenon, um, we've made it here for a few hundred thousand years without kettlebells and gym memberships and everything else. So do I really have to force you to do something that you don't want to do? I mean, if you don't have negative lifestyle habits and what i mean by that is do you you know you don't smoke a pack of cigarettes a day right so maybe maybe the message isn't that we need to be focusing on hey do more maybe the message we need to maybe switch to is this is what you you, you shouldn't do this is also 100 if you don't want to run don't smoke cigarettes don't um you know drink a bottle of bourbon every night to go to sleep Right, like these are very negative things where you're actually poisoning yourself, right? For lack of a better word. So if you're not going to run, don't do this. And if you do run and you're wondering why you're not progressing and you smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, well, guess what? The pack of cigarettes a day is actually going to kill you much faster than you think running is going to save you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe, maybe we have to take both sides of the coin where I'm meeting a lot of people in New York City when, you know, I, I, and I've been paying attention to their intake forms a little bit more. It's like, well, do you smoke? Do you drink? Do you, you know, do you take recreational drugs? And a couple of people in the last couple of weeks um, have actually brought up to me in their intake. They're like, yeah, you know what? I think a big problem for me is that I drink too much. And I immediately stopped and I said, well, I'm going to be honest with you. If you think that that's a problem, we need to switch tracks and you don't need to be here. Right. Because I won't be able to help your back pain or your knee pain if you think you struggle with alcohol addiction. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, it's only on the weekends. It's only on that. And I'm like, well, no, okay. So that now you're telling yourself a story, right? So maybe your right brain just came and shot out something <laughs> that you've been suppressing just because you had a stream of consciousness. And now your left brain's trying to rationalize it. Because if you only have knee pain every Monday after you smoke cigarettes on Saturday and Sunday and drink with your buddies all night, all night long, well, then maybe that's your body's way of saying, hey, maybe you shouldn't do this. And whatever eccentric exercise kettlebell swing I give you is not going to replace the fact that you're smoking and drinking, you know, too much. Right. So maybe that, that could be the message a little bit too. Um, because I think, um, you know, from the grand scheme of things, I mean, I would like my parents to work out more. 
Um, I would like them to do certain things and have certain behaviors. I mean, but they're, you know, they're into their sixties and right. generally speaking, they feel fine. Right. Like, <laughs> so how can I predict, um, that my mom and dad won't live to be 88, um, if they don't work out, if they don't do this. So, you know, we go back to correlation doesn't equal causation. Right. And yeah, generally speaking, the people that we see in these studies who are living longer are also the ones that have more positive lifestyle changes to begin with anyway. They're the ones that are married. They're the ones that went to college. They're the ones that have a well-paying job. They're the ones that have two kids, not eight. They're the ones that, um, you know, don't smoke, don't drink or, or do so in moderation. They're the ones that do can sleep, you know, for six hours, don't have to work that extra nighttime shift. So there's so many other factors um, as to what could be helping us live longest. And I think maybe the two biggest ones is, you know, um, what you, how much money you have in your bank account. Uh, this was from Bill Bryson's book, The Body. Um, your socioeconomic status has come up a ton. Uh, and Robert Sapolsky talks a lot about that in Behave, where your socioeconomic status, your financial status, um, maybe play as big or maybe even more of a role in your overall health than, than anything else. Because if you have those two things working for you, right, I think, again, maybe some of the message in the United States is, well, if you only had more money, you'd be happier, mm. um, which is true up to a point, I guess. Right. Well, the, the research I'm familiar with quickly there is I think, yeah, whatever the number is they've done of once, once it's above $90,000 a year or whatever, it's, it's all kind of relatively equal. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it's very different when you get up to, you know, half a million or a million dollars a year, but it's always, it's always like ebbs and flows, right? It's like, I make this 75, $80,000. I'm super happy. And then I make like hundred, 200, whatever. And then it's like, what if I made 5 million? Oh, I'm happy. <laughs> well, the part of that conversation that's interesting to me, I'll again, interject quickly is, uh, I'm catching up with a lot of my high school football teammates and guys that were in the years around me. And again, talking to some of these guys and they've, committed to their families and they're working hard and they're making tons of money, but it's this interesting, like we're talking about this modern world, right? Of, of sacrificing hustle culture, I'll sleep when I'm dead kind of thing. And like, I need to make my money now. And you talked about what early, much earlier on uh, about future Joe. And, and you know, if, you, if present Joe can do some stuff for future Joe, that's great. And that's one of the other shifts that I've made in my messaging and my marketing and talking to folks is making sure that people I work with understand and they are, uh, you know, I'm, I'm almost trying to figure out a way of calling it like a physical retirement plan or, you know, so can we plan? It's great that if you, if you have $2 million in your bank account when you're 65, but are you physically able to enjoy that $2 million yeah. or are you going to spend that all on healthcare costs, you know, right. at that point? Right. Um, so, so that's a, that's a, a long-term kind of vision there. The other part that uh, I wanted to touch on as we were talking is um, you talk about the, the kind of blue zones and, and all these lifestyle factors. And yeah, you talk about uh, exercises, this new thing, but one of the things from the blue zones is there is a movement concept. And again, that's one of the commonalities. So, uh, and Kelly Starrett, I'll give credit to here is talks about a movement practice. And he challenges like, if you're doing Peloton, that is not your movement practice. That is something you are doing to get some endorphins and what there's not movement. It's a very, it's one movement and it's very limited movement and it's probably putting you into worse positions in the grand scheme of things. But, um, and not that people shouldn't do Peloton, but make sure you're supplementing that and have a movement practice. And this is where I'll take a big step back, back to this concept of how do we make these big changes? And you also mentioned, uh, talking with, the company that took over rock tape or, or, or bought a rock tape and you talk about skills and I did a recent podcast with David Bidler. Are you familiar with his stuff? Um, he has three big, uh, I guess concepts is physiology first, the distance project and breathe to perform. So mm -hmm. I'm sure uh, you would, you would like some of that stuff that they're putting out there. And so he talks about skills over pills because he's working with a lot of uh, teenagers, especially, and they get prescribed ADHD medication because of that healthcare system instead of, and this was a very cool concept that I talked with him about on a uh, episode, few, few episodes ago, uh, that Andrew Huberman, who's a, a big old researcher, I think he's in the Northeast area. I forget which university he's at, but he's a big old researcher. He has a great podcast called Huberman Lab. Anyway, they... Um, 
they talk a lot about, again, like you should have a, a brief, we give out driver's licenses, but we should be giving out like physiology licenses. And you should, again, we, we, we teach very little, we, we've gotten rid of physical education. Yeah. And, and so just to even ask kids to go out and run or throw a ball at each other or whatever. Um, but Joe, can you show me that you can breathe deeply through your nose, exhale, like breathe into your belly, like show me these skills. Show me that when you ha get cut off in traffic and, and your instinct is to go and lizard brain turns on and you're ready to go and like yell at that person, you can just take that big breath and calm your physiology down and control your physiology. We shouldn't just be able to control the car. I understand that there, and this is where the conversation is obviously a little tricky. I feel like it goes down some like libertarian versus whatever and you know, and, and should government be able to tell people what to do and like, but yeah, like we're, we're not doing great as a, as a, as a species. Um, and again, it's, it's that again, instinct to go to these, um, you know, we need to produce more crops, yeah. but that in turn takes us away from healthy living. And so it comes back to, yeah, you need to make a better choice. You vote with your dollars. You should, you know, spend the extra $3 per pound on grass finished beef. Um, and go out of your way to, to find a farm that's, you know, close to you. There's obviously food deserts and all these different conversations. I don't even know. I just, I felt, I feel like I don't even know where I'm going with, with this whole thought process, but yeah, uh, I can ramble on about this for a while, but did anything in there? Um, I guess yeah. the, the, the whole point of the, I think, again, it comes back to the messaging that we're, we're, we're offering to people, right. And maybe even you brought, you started with, with kids and, and, and that resonates with me because I have a seven year old and Courtney has a 10 year old and, and I, and I look at them and, and, and I'm like, okay, when when I ask Avery what she does when she does in school, you know she has gym I think like once or twice a week, and that gym class is like a half hour or whatever. Um, and then you brought up the ADHD medication with skills over pills. Now I think it's funny because it, I've read um, a, a couple of books by John Rattay, Spark and and Go Go Wild, and they're really wonderful books. And he does talk about ADHD in there a little bit. And, and the way that he reframed it was, you know, could ADHD have been our way of surviving um, in the wilderness, right? Because if we were stuck daydreaming all the time mm -hmm. and looking at pretty sunsets and flowers, well, that lion we always talk about, right? Everyone <laughs> always talk about this goddamn lion. I'm, I'm still waiting to see this lion, right? Um, are, are you though? Are you? Yeah, no, not really. But I don't. I also. <laughs> why can't it be any other animal? Why is it, like I've seen lions at the zoo. They seem like very friendly and and for the most part, right? Um, they're very sleepy all the time, right? So, um, but anyway, like you know, you're waiting for that that lion, and you know, could 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 the lack of you know focus have helped us with creativity? Could have helped us explore other options in our environment rather than get kind of fixated on one. And I think maybe that's where, you know, again, in, in this world of specialization, if you don't have a specialty, then you're behind the, the times or you're behind your practice, you're behind your fellow colleagues, right? But if you read book a book like Range, uh, like Range from David Epstein, um, you know, he talks about, you know, and what stuck out to me in that book that I always like to talk about is like, you know, the difference of jazz musicians and classical, like, um, uh, orchestras, right? So classical orchestras, they have to follow like a set rule. They follow a maestro and, you know, but then you ask them to be creative and play jazz and, and they can't do it, right? But a jazz person who starts with creativity and making their own music can now listen to an orchestra and be like, okay, and I can start to play along with you because I know the rules of music, but now I also know how to bend them and break them, right? So specialties are nice, but then do we need all that? Do we need to force our kids into going to science class? Because one of the other studies that I think came out of Naperville, Illinois or Ohio was when you actually gave kids more physical activity, their grades go up, right? Not down, right? right. So like when you, when you eliminated study hall to force these kids to sit and read and, and, and do their textbooks and they just got another gym class. It was like, wow, this, this school in Naperville's test score started going way up yeah. high. Maybe we're on to something. I'll, I'll interject real quick if uh, anyone's not familiar with stand-up kids, and that's a big thing Kelly and Juliet Starrett uh, are doing to put, take desks out of schools, and they go into schools and say, we're going to rip all your desks out, and the kid's got to stand. 
And again, yeah. it's, it's, it's that just from standing, like, yeah, you cha you're changing the physiology, you're changing the behavior. And it's that you're implementing more movement. And again, we talked, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, exercise is a pretty new phenomenon. And that's on my uh, Audible. I just downloaded Exercise by Dan Lovely. Lieberman. Mm -hmm. did, you, did you listen or read that one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, I'm excited. I just finished his other one. Um, uh, what is it? Oh, the, the, human like, the human body. Like, yeah, the history oh, yeah. of the human body or whatever. Uh, and initially I'll say real quick on that. My book review is he was, he's, he's a professor. So the audio book was a little dry, especially with the history stuff. But as he started bringing it to like present day and, and, and implications, I was like, Oh yeah, here we go. It was like the last few chapters. And then that's what I was finally like, I'm going to get, cause I'd heard really good things about exercise. Um, anyway, so yeah, so stand up kids, I, I did want to interject is a pretty, pretty potent thing that again, uh, the movement practice uh, again and, and and the other part of that is the neat which i'm sure you're familiar with is non-exercise activities basically right and and incorporating more movement somehow into your life so not just ten thousand steps if that's the the best metric and it's right there and you're attached to your phone and you have your device like cool but we need more movement so even as we're talking i'm gonna stand up um and i have a stand-up desk here so i'm gonna do that um, but yeah, so we, we touched on a bunch of stuff. I do want to see if we can challenge you because you are, as I said, a voracious reader. Um, and can you bring it down to the top three books that you think if you had to, if you had to pick three that will change the face of healthcare in the future or, or just the most impactful maybe that, yeah. that you've read. And if anyone wants to go on uh, Joe's Instagram, he has a whole tab under his uh bio of multiple book reviews he does and again super super fun way to you know get the cliff notes for for folks and and, and kind of know which books to check out so top three my friend i'm putting you on the spot there again. yeah top three um okay so some a couple of them are a little bit dense but i thoroughly enjoyed um how emotions are made that's by lisa barrett feldman um and lisa feldman has become a a kind of favorite author of mine, uh, but her reframing of modern neuroscience and uh, our thoughts, emotions, perceptions, uh, probably maybe pushed me the hardest down the path that I'm on or, or really helped me organize my thoughts the best uh, on the path that I'm on. I would say the other thing that made me kind of um, think differently about human beings and our behavior. Uh, it's a little cliche of a book, but I would also say Sapiens was definitely up there. And just in terms of like, again, flipping some conversations that I maybe was taking for granted or just didn't know about. And I was like, oh, this kind of opens up uh, a little bit of my reception to other people and like maybe cultures and religions and politics and the the, the subtle differences and, and, and nuances of everything. So I, I like finding out the origin stories of things. Um, and then I guess, you know, mo most recently, um, I guess um, just because I'll throw the, uh, a recent one that I, re I, I, I took out that, that was impactful to what I'm doing now was um, actually Breath by James Nestor. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, I actually like totally felt that vibe. And I, I, I'm, I haven't actually read it, but I heard, I heard him on uh, Joe Rogan, I think. and. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, some of it was, um, I've, I've heard other people talk about the book and the same thing with sapiens, right. Or same things with why we sleep, uh, by Matthew Walker is that whatever, whenever you spend time accruing data to, to tell your story, there's a lot of data that you're probably excluding that, that maybe countered counter, uh, contradicts your story just a little bit. But what I appreciated about Nestor's work with the book was again, it, it just got people excited about, a very simple activity again, right? So, you know, with Dan Lieberman, everyone always talked about how um, story of the human body exercise was this wonderful kind of synopsis of what the things you brought up before that, you know, we're not driven to, we're not evolutionary designed to exercise. This is a new thing, but let's talk about where some of these ideas or principles came from. Uh, it reminded me sort of a little bit of the book, like uh, Endure. Um, I forgot the author to that one, but um but yeah, I mean, you know, like those, that, the, the breath one was probably just a, a recent insertion just because of the things that I'm really, really interested in now. Um, if, if I didn't read that book just recently, I probably would have said um, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Um, but like I said, that, that's, a, that's a pretty dense book in and of itself. But 
when you read books like How Emotions Are Made or, or Thinking Fast and Slow, um, you start to read it and you're like, wow, I do these things. My patients do these things. And then not that you understand it. Right? Like I'm not a neuroscientist like, like Andrew Huberman or, or um, uh, what's the other guy I love? I love like Lex Friedman and, and all these other guys who are great thinkers. Like I'm not there, but it gives you some pause and you're like, okay, I, I understand why you think this. So I'm not going to fight you. I'm not gonna to try to like bow your belief system. I'm actually gonna to try to help you question it, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what um, I try to have people do now with pain is that I'm not trying to tell you your beliefs are wrong, but I'm going to keep asking you questions where you're going to end up proving yourself wrong. Like that, that, that argument doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, and then if you want to change your beliefs from there, then fine. And it will take work, just like getting your quad strong or your back strong or whatever strong, right, or mobile. Um, but, yeah, I think that those, those three slash four, um, because breath was a new one, um, I think would really help a lot of us as clinicians communicate better, focus on relationships, and then kind of just understand that, uh, that art of medicine again, mm. rather than just that double blind research <laughs> uh, controlled trial medicine that right. we're in right now, you know? Uh, I looked up indoors by Alex Hutchinson. Oh yes. Yes. And, um, the, uh, the, the thought, and we, I do, I want to be respectful of your time. We're a little over an hour now. And, uh, uh, the thought that that brought me to though, is uh, again, talking about this healthcare fitness, crazy system that we have, um, reflecting on my, my quick experience and, and love to get your thoughts on it is, um, when I've done a bit of business coaching as, as, as we've gone out, you know, uh, we're entrepreneurs and all that fun stuff. And so everyone asks like, who's your avatar? Who do you want to sell to? And I think it's always, you know, you're in that, like, I want to help everybody. I feel like, you know, the things I'm talking about can help everybody, whoever comes through the door. Um, and then you, you need to narrow it down to I need I, only 42 year old males who have, you know, gotten a bachelor's and it, all this nonsense. But, but, the thing that when I reflect on my avatar, who I see the most and who I connect with the most is people who have failed. And I'll say failed, you know, a little aggressively here, but yeah. Uh, and, and come to me and say, yeah, I tried the chiropractor. I tried physical therapy. I tried orthopedic surgeon. I had, you know, my co my personal trainer coach, whatever, tell me to do this, that, and the other thing. And, and then I'm like, okay, well, I want to put all these things together and I want to definitely take lessons from each of these things that didn't work, first of all. But those are the people when we talk about the psychology of the patient. Um, and I'd love to find, I think, like that that would be the book or that, that's kind of the my TED Talk concept, I guess, is back to like on the public facing side, how do we get people, how, what's the message to get them more excited and like to stop failing and wasting time? And it's this crazy thing because again, like it works sometimes, right? You have some shoulder rotator cuff thing and maybe tape helps maybe going and getting electric stim and, and just time will heal it versus having a conversation and talk, we're talking about higher level, uh, you know, like do, does everyone need that? And is everybody excited about that? Or is, is good enough, you know, good enough for them? So, so that's kind of the battle um, for me of, of do I want to just keep uh, getting, trying to get people to really care. And that's where I'm, I'm, I am trying to basically say like, you know, at this point I, I only have so much time and energy and money or, or, or uh, resources. So it's, I want to only work with people who have that passion for their long-term health, for their physical retirement plan, for their kids um, who maybe can spread these concepts. And, and it's just, I want somebody who's going to be thirsty for knowledge because I have acquired all this knowledge. We've read so many of these books and, and like, how do we synthesize it and how do we, we get someone? So basically we're offering this shortcut to, to, you know, the thousands of books. And again, when this is another thing and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up here is um, when people say like, why do you charge like $300 an hour? Like that's a, absurd. I can go over here and I'm paying $70 an hour or whatever. Um, or I'm paying a $20 copay with my insurance. Um, not thinking about all the other costs associated with that and the, whatever, but opportunity costs and all that stuff time. But it's, yeah, this is, you know, I have half a million dollars of education at least. Um, yeah. that I've calculated, you know, between my doctorate and physical therapy and all these different certifications. And yeah. so, so it's, it's value and it's, it's changing that narrative. And, and yeah, I mean, again, I have a whole bunch of different, you know, I, I feel like we can certainly go on for hours about <laughs> how to, how to modify it. And I'd love to do maybe a part two and, and yeah, I was gonna say, we can do part two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
we've, I've had a few repeat guests, you know, the, the lucky few. Um, <laughs> so yeah, man, I want to close it off and, and, um, yeah, any, any closing thoughts based on, I know we touched on a lot of stuff, but, uh, yeah, any, any, any closing thoughts for you or. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I would just echo that last sentiment that you had. I mean, like I want to help people who feel like they aren't themselves anymore, right? Like they lost that identity of who they are and their, their story is now I am my pain or like I am my low back disc herniation. I am mm -hmm. my instability in my ankle. And it's like, well, no, you're not that. And if you've tried all these other techniques, right? I don't have special exercises, okay? But what I can promise you is that I won't be a part of your journey for, you know, two times a week for six weeks. I will be a part of your journey for as long as you allow me to be, okay? And use me as a resource and email me. And my cell phone number is on my website. Like I'm not trying to hide that, right? right. Um, that's my business line for a reason because if you really have an immediate need, well, then you should be able to reach out to someone you trust to help you understand that, right? And then, you know, and, and usually, and I'm sure you've had clients email you and everything else, it maybe takes 60 seconds to respond to them. And they're like, that was 100% what I needed to hear. Like, I'm okay. Right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just need that. And I think that maybe is the, the greatest gift I give to people as my, as, my, as my last thing at Strength in Motion is I think just giving them the permission to move, mm -hmm. right? Because so many times they come in and they're like, oh, I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. It's been X years, X years, X years. And I'm like, well, do you like doing those things? And they're like, yeah. Well, that wasn't the solution to your problem. So why don't we get back into that? And here's a smart way of doing so. And I'm going to give you the permission to go back to living your life. Awesome. Give us, uh, we'll wrap up there and give us uh, best places to find you, connect with you. Yeah, so uh, best place or most direct place is probably um, Strength in Motion PT. Uh, you can find me on Instagram or you can visit strengthinmotionpt.com. The other place you'll see me is right here in the front of my shirt. Uh, that's Fringe. We didn't talk about that a lot today, but maybe we can do part two. Uh, you can find me at joinfringe.com. I'm a lead educator for a very exciting new company uh, focusing on whole person health and plant-based medicine for right now. Awesome. Exciting. Yeah. Excited to dig into that. And the next one, stay tuned, to be continued, dot, 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 who killed JR, very old <laughs> reference for anyone who gets that one. Um, or who killed Mr. Burns a little more. Oh, Mr. Burns. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Shot, didn't kill Mr. Burns, shot Mr. Burns. Shot. Now, now you're bringing me back. <laughs> and, and you remember who it was, of course. Maggie. Maggie, yes. <laughs> I, I, but you were, I, mean, we, I, I assume you were around for when they like had the, you know, all the suspects. And I oh, think if you could God. guess properly, like they were giving away prize. I, I forget which company it was like Butterfinger. Maybe that was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, Bart always liked Butterfinger. Yeah, uh, exactly. So uh, we'll wrap up there guys. Um, if you liked what we talked about, Hey, if you need a book recommendation, this man has all of the books. Um, <laughs> we, we, I'll try to put a few of those in the show notes. Top three, one more time, how emotions are made sapiens and breath and then he, he gave i'll give the three b was uh thinking fast and slow and that definition of fitness was the ability to tolerate and adapt to changes i like it um we'll close out here with that song the man requested and uh if you did like anything here <laughs> if you did like anything here guys please like share subscribe uh rate review on your podcast app of choice all that good stuff reach out to him. I don't think we're going to get to your song. We're going to cut it off there though. And uh, if you want to stay on, we, we'll chat a little bit off and uh, yeah, guys have a great day. There we go. Here's your song. Hold on. We'll give it for the summer. It's for the summer. Jam. Got a little funk on. There we go. Get a little Justin, Justin Bieber in your life. All right, guys. Peace out. We'll talk next time. Stay tuned for part two. Now